Hello, my name is Stanley Bill. You're listening to Notes from Poland. This week, I talked to legal expert Anna Wojcik about Poland's ongoing conflict with the European Union. We'll discuss the controversies over rule of law, the possibility of punitive action from the EU, and the chances of pole exit. Notesfrompoland.com is the leading English language source of news, insight, and analysis on Poland. In this podcast, I look at the country from all angles, politics, history, culture, and society. You can get more news and the deeper stories about Poland at notesfrompoland.com. This week, my guest is Anna Wojcik, who is a researcher at the Institute of Legal Studies of the Polish Academy of Sciences in Warsaw, and also a co-founder and editor of the website ruleoflaw.pl. Welcome to the Notes from Poland podcast, Anna. Hello, thank you for the invitation. Now, I want to start with the specter of poll exit. High-ranking members of PiS have recently used some very strong language about the ruling party's ongoing conflicts with the European Union. One party heavyweight said that Poland would fight the Brussels occupier, as it had once fought the German and Soviet occupiers. Some observers have interpreted these remarks as giving heightened expression to the possibility of Poland leaving the EU. In particular, they have also quoted the head of PiS's parliamentary caucus, who referred to the need for what he called drastic solutions if relations with the EU continue to deteriorate. He went on to say, and I quote, The British showed that the dictatorship of Brussels bureaucracy didn't suit them, and so they left. We don't want to leave. Support for the EU in Poland is very strong but we cannot get pushed into something that limits our freedom and development. Now, how seriously do you take this kind of rhetoric from, after all, a known party saber-rattler? And is there any real prospect of poll exit in the foreseeable future? It is definitely a new narrative in a sense that any anti-EU narrative used to be only popular among some extreme political parties, some marginal politicians. And here we have quite important figures in the current governing coalition, more connected to peace. And uh, I'm quite afraid that this is how the land justice government is trying to prepare its voters, its core base for possible failure in the negotiations with the European Union about the EU funds because it seems that the program that the government has been already very much advertising, the program that in Poland is called Polski Ład, Polish deal, and it relies on EU funds from the budget and from the post-COVID recovery package. And uh, because of the dispute between the EU and Poland over the rule of law and over the Polish government's approach to the case law of the Court of Justice of the EU, we now are in this moment when the European Commission is halting approval of these funds being transferred to Poland. And I see these uh, comments as a part of preparing ground, how to explain the fact that the funds that were promised already 
and that they were on paper already distributed and are part of the law and justice mm -hmm. campaign for 2023 elections, they may not come as early as it was expected or at all. So you wouldn't dismiss uh, the seriousness of these comments. Uh, you see these comments as a genuinely new step in the development of PiS's rhetoric, but you're not saying that PiS is actually planning poll exit, but rather that they are preparing their electorate for a worsening of relations with the European Union, and perhaps even for the possibility that eventually that option has to at least be on the table as part of the negotiations with Brussels? Is that what you mean? Yes, definitely. They want to have a card in negotiations with Brussels and they don't really have many other arguments than the possibility of Poland leaving the European Union, even though majority of Poles would clearly be against it. And uh, also, I think that this change of narrative is linked to a very straightforward narrative that the European Union is a good community only as long as it provides funds for Poland's further economic development and f that it mm -hmm. provides some funds for further convergence, cohesion, etc. But the land justice clearly does not see it as a community of values, such as democracy, human rights, the rule of law, because mm -hmm. it interprets those foundational values in a very selective way that suits its policy goals. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting uh, point that you make here. And I have also been inclined to view Euroscepticism as the preserve of the Justice Minister's Zbigniew Jobros, a minor coalition partner, and some elements in peace, but not the main decision-making center of peace. But this does seem to be uh, something new that's emerging. And I've also always had the impression that you've referenced now that really the moment when Poland ceases to be a net beneficiary of European Union funds, which you know may well happen before too long, that will be the moment where Euroscepticism, real Euroscepticism, becomes a genuine political option in Poland in the way that it's not now. And this comes back to this idea that we often hear that support for the European Union in Poland is very, very broad, but rather shallow. And that if it gets tested in a situation where funds are no longer coming in in the same volume as they once did, and pressure is being put from Brussels in the area of values, that this could push this support to breaking point and cause it to uh, splinter. We'll see what happens here. On the other hand, one does have the impression that this spectre of poll exit, as I originally described it, is something that's very eagerly seized upon by PiS's political opponents as well as a kind of a scarecrow for the electorate. We've frequently heard the opposition talking about poll exit, where it didn't look in the least bit likely or possible or didn't seem that peace was moving in that direction at all. Do you think that kind of rhetoric is counterproductive? And how do you think the Polish electorate views this threat? Definitely Polish electorate is very polarized. And um, this narrative of poll exit may be very convincing for those who are not approving of all elements of the law and justice program and have more pragmatic approach to their policies. This is that they are not considering this party as providing a comprehensive ideology for them, but rather that it somehow manages to govern and to provide in some policy areas uh, to provide some solutions that they find mm -hmm. acceptable. But I don't think that uh, the support for the law and justice that in the polls reaches 40 percent 
is very stable. I would say that maybe half of this, like 20%, is the vote that they can really rely on. And other people can also switch to another party that can present them some credible narrative, probably a center-right party. But it wouldn't have to be an anti-EU nationalist antagonizing party. And also, I remember that when Morawiecki and Viktor Orban were threatening other EU member states that they will not accept the EU budget, that requires that all member states agree on that, was the moment when peace approval ratings fell drastically. And I think that yeah. um, now they remember this and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is really a threat for their electoral performance. So you say this is a danger to peace. It is an interesting point. I mean, similarly, their ratings fell significantly when Poland ended up being the one member state voting against the extension of Donald Tusk's uh, tenure as the president of the European Union. So I think there's a, a lot of truth in what you say there, and it is something that is a risk for peace. On the other hand, when there is an external threat directed at Poland, for instance, from the European Commission of funds being cut off and saying that Poland has to do certain things, I think there's also a potential tendency in parts of the Polish electorate, including among some of those swing voters that you're talking about now, to perhaps be galvanized behind peace with the idea of a kind of protection of national sovereignty, which is a a strong feeling among quite large parts of the Polish electorate. So I think there are some conflicting possibilities there. But let's move on to uh, the key question or controversy that you referenced uh, briefly earlier. And that is that Poland currently finds itself in a situation in which the European Commission has effectively halted the process of approving its access to huge European recovery funds and at the same time is seeking to fine the country 1 million euros a day, all because of concerns over rule of law. Can you explain uh, the core of the Commission's concerns here and what's really at stake? So at the core of the Commission's concern is the Polish authorities' approach to the rulings of the EU Court of Justice regarding judiciary. On July the 14th, the Polish Constitutional Tribunal presided over by a former peace MP Stanisław Piotrowicz, who used to be a communist-era state prosecutor. This tribunal decided that the interim measures that the EU Court of Justice imposes on Poland when they concern chief organs of the judicial system, according to this tribunal, they are not unconstitutional. And this gives Polish authorities a so-called legal argument when they will argue with the European Commission or other EU institutions why they do not implement or not implement fully the decisions of the EU Court of Justice. So what kinds of decisions? mm -hmm. What's the European Court of Justice concerned about? So basically there is one case brought by the European Commission against the Polish government on the basis of the new system for disciplining judges that is abused to silence and to threaten judges who are criticizing the changes in the judiciary that had been implemented since 2015. Mm-hmm. And there is one case currently in the EU Court of Justice. And in the framework of this case, an interim decision was pronounced that said that the disciplinary chamber in the Polish Supreme Court cannot adjudicate until the EU Court of Justice will hand its final ruling in the case. And okay. another 
And, and, that, and that ruling mm -hmm. is being ignored? Is that what is happening now, that the disciplinary chamber is continuing to operate? In the first days after this uh, ruling of the EU Court of Justice and the Polish Constitutional Tribunal, because they happened on the same day, actually within an hour. So in the following days, authorities in Poland, including the president of the Supreme Court that was nominated in 2020 and used to be a close collaborator of the Justice Minister Zbigniew Ziobro, and she was not fully complying with the judgment. She was defiant. She actually unfroze the disciplinary chamber and that chamber heard some disciplinary cases regarding judges that was in a clear breach of the EU court order. But then, as some days passed from the ruling, political leadership, including Prime Minister Morawiecki and Jarosław Kaczyński himself, started saying that perhaps uh, some changes in this chamber would be necessary, some legislative changes that are planned for September for the autumn session of the parliament to be discussed. And at that time, also the president of the Supreme Court became very much in favor of implementing the EU Court of Justice judgment, even though she criticized the EU Court of Justice that it doesn't really have power to pass such a judgment because it supposedly oversteps its competences given in the EU treaties. So why is the European Commission seeking to impose fines now then? If the head of the Supreme Court that Peace installed is essentially saying that the Court of Justice decisions need to be followed, and both the Prime Minister Mateusz Morawiecki and the leader of Peace Jarosław Kaczyński, as you mentioned, have both said that the chamber will be dissolved, in fact. So what's the problem from the point of view of the Commission then? That the Polish government is only saying uh, words, but it's not followed by any actions. On the 15th of July, the EU Court of Justice passed another ruling. This time this was a judgment in a case that was brought in 2019 by the European Commission against also a disciplinary system for judges, which was already very harsh, but less harsh than it is now, and that is subject to another case. And uh, in the framework of this case, the EU Court of Justice ruled that this disciplinary chamber is not conforming to EU law. And uh, the European Commission set out a deadline on the 16th of uh, August for the Polish government to report how national authorities are implementing this judgment, both judgment and the ruling on the interim measures from the day earlier. And uh, clearly the Commission was not happy with what it could already gather from reports from Poland. But right now it is analyzing the response, the detailed response of the Polish government because uh, it granted the Polish government the deadline for sending such a report and then two months for analyzing it. So this, however, does not stop the Commission from asking, quite recently, the EU Court of Justice for imposing penalties that could be up to 1 million euros per day for not complying with this interim order and the judgment. So obviously many critics uh, of the Polish government uh, see this as the point where the European Union is finally acting after years of various kinds of violations in the assessment of various independent observers of general principles of rule of law. But what you've described is a very complicated set of circumstances that's not very easy to explain to voters in Poland or outside of Poland. 
How do you think this is viewed by the Polish electorate in particular, this conflict between the European Union and the Polish government, in what might seem to many to be this rather arcane matter of a disciplinary chamber and then interim measures and the European Court of Justice and which court has jurisdiction over which other court? How can this be made? Is this relevant to Polish voters? And if not, how can it be made relevant to Polish voters? Well, I think this is, uh, for many voters, a question of uh, grand high politics. That is a war waged uh, between the politicians in Brussels and in Warsaw. And that uh, they also may perceive that this is not really affecting their daily life. Although, I think that a really major point for the rule of law narrative in Poland was an October 22 judgment of the Polish captured constitutional tribunal that restricted the abortion law which made it evident for millions of Poles that actually the deterioration of the rule of law and the fact that we do not have independent organs that can actually provide some verification and checks and balances on what uh, the political power is uh, doing by itself or by proxy, such as the Constitutional Tribunal. So I think that was really an important moment for Poles. And I also think that at least... So, so that made these legal questions much more personal for many people and much more visceral in a way that the question of a disciplinary chamber may not. Definitely, because disciplinary chamber is not affecting everyday life of any Pole aside from judges, because it is devised only to hear disciplinary cases of judges, attorneys at law, legal professionals. And for an average Pole, that is a very complicated, arcane matter and this conflict is going on for the past six years. So people have been losing interest, I would say. However, I think that a really important sign is that the European Court of Human Rights started pronouncing judgments that also evaluate, according to the European Convention on Human Rights, elements of those changes implemented by the law and justice in the justice system. And in May, we heard a judgment in Xeroflor versus Poland case. The Strasbourg court found that the applicant's right to fair trial was breached because the decision that was made in their case was made by the Constitutional Tribunal's panel. That included people who should not be on that panel. Mm -hmm. And uh, after six years, we finally start to have many cases many judgments of the EU Court of Justice and of uh, the European Court of Human Rights that clearly say that those changes were not in accordance with European law. Both international human rights law in its European dimension, that is the European Convention on Human Rights, and the EU law. So this comes to the heart of justice as most people understand it, which is the right of the average citizen to a fair trial. And in this case, you're talking about a ruling that essentially says because there are people on the highest court in the land who are political installees, essentially, former politicians of the ruling party, close associates of Yaroslav Kaczynski, anything that involves that court cannot be fair. How do you see the general level of threat to rule of law and to the right to a fair trial in Poland and the independence of the judiciary as it stands right now? I think the right to fair trial and the independence of judiciary now depends in large part or maybe solely on the behavior of judges themselves 
There are approximately 10,000 judges in Poland and the vast majority of them is clearly opposing the changes that were made in the courts since 2015. And uh, being a judge in Poland nowadays requires much more courage, but also legal arguments than it used to be. Because especially when judges are judging in a politically sensitive cases, and actually any case these days can be politically sensitive, such as uh, cases regarding the crime of insulting religious feelings, or uh, yeah. cases where human rights activists, LGBT activists are involved. And we see that the judges are scrutinized by the Polish authorities, by public broadcaster that was made into a propaganda machine of the government. And when judges are passing their decisions and are ruling according to the Polish law and European law, and for example, rule in favor of freedom of expression of the government critics, or even worse, for the Land Justice Party, if they decide that LGBT activists have not committed a crime under some pretext, then the life of these judges, both professional, the career and private life, is scrutinized. They are anti-heroes presented in public media. And that is really a feature of this regime that may produce a chilling effect on judges because it not only affects mm -hmm. them personally, but it also affects their relatives, children, elderly parents, etc., who have access to public television. And I think that we really should see Polish independent judges are very courageous people who could be conformist and could just accept what has been going on in the judiciary in Poland. But they actually are people of principle. And I think that really we should be very happy as citizens of Poland that vast majority of them did not decide to be part of this new setup. So in the vast majority of cases, for now at least, that right to a fair trial would exist for most Polish citizens, but you've referred to some important specific cases where that might be under threat because of the kinds of pressures that judges are under. It's probably also worth pointing out that one of the issues of the various reforms to the justice system, that if they can be called reforms, that peace has introduced, is that they're across all levels of the system, including the prosecutorial service, which has been changed in a way that gives the justice minister, who is now the prosecutor general, a great deal of power. And at the same time, he has received a great deal of power over particularly the appointment of presidents and vice presidents of various courts. So you see on both sides of the system, potentially, people who are answerable to the justice minister, which obviously raises questions about the possibility of fair trials in those conditions. We'll see how those kinds of uh, situations develop and whether that sort of courage that you're talking about of the majority of judges continues. Just to return to what we were talking about before in the European Union's response, which, as I mentioned, has been applauded by a lot of critics of the Polish government's changes to the judiciary for finally bringing in the prospect of financial sanctions. This prospect of the fines of 1 million euros a day the Prime Minister and Jarosław Kaczynski have said that they will simply dissolve the disciplinary chamber and that this will end the conflict with the EU. Is that how you see things? If peace dissolves the chamber, will it solve the problem and end the threat of these fines from the European Commission? Definitely not, because Jarosław Kaczynski only announced that peace would dissolve uh, the disciplinary chamber as a subject of the dispute with the European Union. And he 
hinted that a new body, a new organ could be created in this place. But actually, if we look at the content of the rulings of the EU Court of Justice and the Strasbourg Court, we will see that what is actually wrong with the chamber is that another body that was constructed in 2018, the new National Council for Judiciary, that this body and that was... Which is um, a, a body that uh, appoints judges and theoretically is supposed to be responsible for protecting the independence of the judiciary. So actually this body is key element of this new system that was created by Kaczynski, Jabro and Morawiecki. And until the composition and the way that the members of this body, the judges that sit in this National Council of Judiciary, are selected, is not changed, then the whole process, the whole mechanism of appointing judges in Poland is defective. And until this is not resolved, the dispute with the European Union will continue, because the essence of the problem is there. So then it will depend in part on whether there is political will to follow through on this threat of fines. What's your sense, or from the people that you talk to, of where that sits at the moment in Brussels? What's the likelihood, do you think, that these fines will actually be implemented? Well, I think it is highly likely that some sort of fine would be implemented in those cases regarding the EU Court of Justice decisions. But that is not as much money as the funds from the EU budget and the post-COVID recovery Mm -hmm. Uh, grants and loans. So I think that uh, the other threat... So that's the the bigger threat. Yes, that's the bigger threat, that's the bigger problem for the government and also a problem on a narrative level but also on a real financial level because as as I mentioned, they have been already doing their electoral campaign promoting the Polish New Deal that will be financed only from this money. It's it's every day on uh, public television in Poland for those uh, among the listeners that don't watch it is propaganda hammering this program. So as you say, if some of the funds for it disappear, it's a problem for peace because it's the centerpiece uh, of their next uh, electoral campaign, it would seem. Yes, and also in uh, the framework of this program, peace already announced more social transfers that would increase the convergence in sectors of Poland's uh, economy and also among um, young people that this is the, really their promise to the Polish people. Tax to cuts well, for the majority of people that they're promising, particularly lower income earners. Exactly, an investment in the healthcare that is badly needed, especially that the current government's response to the COVID pandemic is not really impressive. So another issue that you mentioned and which is connected to this bigger threat, I suppose, of the halting of European COVID post-pandemic recovery funds The question of PISA's captured constitutional tribunal, as you describe it, being set to rule later this month on whether EU law has primacy over the Polish constitution, a fundamental question. And some observers fear that this court, which is controlled by a close associate of Jarosław Kaczynski, will say that it does not have primacy, thus allowing PISA effectively to ignore inconvenient judgments of the European Court of Justice. Now, the Polish government claims that decisions of the German Constitutional Court, among others, show that multiple other member states have similar concerns about this question. So is Poland's developing conflict with the European Court of Justice 
part of a bigger problem for the EU about its legal system on the whole, as in fact The Economist magazine argued earlier this year? Or is the Polish case still very specific in your view? The Polish case is very specific because the German Constitutional Court actually demanded, based on EU law, that the EU Court of Justice explains better how it rules on proportionality of policies, such as new policies that are linked to the European Central Bank. So basically, the German Federal Constitutional Court presented this pro-EU interpretation of the legal provisions and that it actually demanded more Europe or better Europe. But what the Polish So it just asked for an explanation. It has. And then also the European Commission acted against Merkel government and it launched an EU law infringement procedure in connection to that ruling from May 2020. So there's no double standard as the Polish government is claiming in that sense? No, not at all. And we can expect that the European Commission will launch such a procedure against the Morawiecki's government should the Polish Constitutional Tribunal rule in the case that we were discussing, the case brought by the Prime Minister Morawiecki. On what basis will it launch that proceeding? Well, that... um, Actually, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, but, but this is a difficult question because well, it, it depends on the content and the actual uh, like justification of the ruling. We will probably not hear immediately. But it will just base it on the fact that the Polish court is overstepping its competences and it's undermining the EU law. And actually, yeah. when you were saying this thing about the primacy of EU law, actually this concept says that when there is a conflict between the provision of EU law and the provision of national law, then the primacy application means that the judge does not apply the national provision, but it applies this European law provision. And uh, when we look at how uh, national constitutional tribunals are construing this dialogue, what is the higher law? Is it the Constitution or is it the European Union treaties? I think that it all depends on a good will and on interpretation of constitutional tribunal justices. Because in the past, we had examples when there was a conflict between the provision of the Polish constitution and the EU law, and the Polish constitution was amended. This was mm-hmm. the case of introduction of the European arrest warrant procedure in Poland. And that was at the time when there was this pro-EU sentiment, and actually We cannot say that the constitution of a European country is in conflict or that is absolutely not compatible with uh, European treaties or the direction in which the European law is being developed because it always is a matter of framing this issue. And essentially, European law derives from national states' traditions. So in theory, there shouldn't be a conflict. It's about a kind of goodwill negotiation on both sides, and goodwill is what's lacking on the Polish side in the perception of many interpreters here. I want to come back to the Polish judiciary. And it strikes me that in international coverage of Poland's troubles with rule of law, there is a tendency to suggest that the country had an independent and well-functioning judiciary, and then peace came along and dismantled it and ruined everything. But most people I speak to in Poland and the experiences that I've had over many, many years 
including conversations with legal experts and even judges, say that the system was in fact always very far from perfect. Many cases dragged on for too long. Corruption remained an issue that often went undetected or unaddressed. And even before Peace's propaganda campaigns, which you mentioned, against judges, there was a significant lack of public confidence, quite simply, in justice in the Polish Republic. Would you agree with this assessment, a sceptical assessment, And if so, where would you see the main problems in the Polish justice system and how they could be addressed properly? So the rule of law is a sort of ideal that the countries, states and uh, civil servants are trying to implement in practice. And there is no country when we could say that the rule of law, this ideal, is realized in 100%. And of -hmm. course, there were issues in the Polish justice system. And actually, Poles are quite critical of this system especially the length of proceedings and the fact that uh, the courts lacked uh, digitization, that it was quite an outdated part of uh, bureaucracy. I would say that people now have uh, higher expectations that their interactions with the state and the bureaucracy and uh, also the courts would be Mm -hmm. much more modern and uh, that it would actually allow them to understand what is going on, that they are being treated not as a sort of uh, a consumer, but as a citizen in the questions regarding um, their legal issues. So it is true that there is a lot of room for improvement, but that would actually need changes in the civil procedure or criminal procedure that would do away with some really cumbersome obligations or some arcane demands or that the court's staff, I'm not saying judges, but the staff that actually operates the court should be uh, receiving higher salaries. And uh, there is a lot of improvements to be made in the area of management. So on one hand, there could be improvements in the law, but not in the structure of courts itself, rather in specific procedures that, for instance, would make it less necessary to rely on attorneys in certain cases or that it would make the caseload of judges smaller. And on the other hand, we have all those issues related to modernization, digitization, management and investment in the justice system. That would be the real answers to Mm -hmm. the real problems. Mm -hmm. And we did not receive answers to those problems, but we received a smokescreen for this process of personal changes that were meant to be a form of retaliation and a form of introducing people loyal to the government, to the justice system. Yeah, I mean, the figures suggest that uh, the length of cases has got worse since the reforms that peace has introduced. So really the main justifications uh, for those reforms, similarly with the decommunizing justification, don't really have much basis uh, in reality. A final question, if peace loses the next elections, How can the damage it has done to the judiciary be undone? Or most importantly, how can it be undone without recourse to the same dubious legislative methods that peace itself has used and the accompanying threat of a kind of reverse politicization of the courts? So, for instance, what could be done with the constitutional tribunal that peace has stacked with party loyalists whose tenures will last into the next 
government's time in power. So that would require a lot of maturity and goodwill of the new governing party or governing coalition in Poland. And I think that it is necessary that those who claim that they are Democrats and that they are in favor of the rule of law will implement some changes that would be always in accordance with the law and the constitution. So, for example, that means that unless a party or a coalition has constitutional majority in the Polish parliament, it cannot really do away with the constitutional tribunal, for instance, say, okay, from now on, let's do as courts in other parts of the world do, and they will do this dispersed judicial review, and we won't have a constitutional tribunal anymore. So that, for instance, would be in breach of the constitution. Although such proposals are being discussed by expert circles, and even today I was attending a debate in the Polish parliament organized by an opposition party, Polska 2050, that actually discussed such scenarios. It also discussed a way to change but the model. But in your view, this scenario would be unconstitutional? Yes, but it was also openly said today in the debate. Actually, I want to congratulate the organizers on this initiative because since many years, Polish parliamentarism really lacked some sort of consultations with stakeholders. And here, at least we have a political party that is presenting some solutions. So you, and were, you were invited as an independent expert to attend or participate in this discussion? Yes, yes, I was attending and I must disclose that I'm not a voter of this party, but I'm quite critical of this party and still I appreciate the effort that actually this is how I would mm -hmm. really want to see the process going, mm -hmm. that different political parties are presenting some concrete solutions, are discussing it with constitutional scholars, with attorneys, with judges, with also their own voters and that it is a process of deliberation. Because for lawyers, anything can be achieved if there is, as I said, goodwill, because... But in this case, there's not going to be goodwill towards, for example, Yulia Przyłębska, who is the current head of the Constitutional Tribunal, installed by peace in a way that many legal observers considered to be against uh, the procedure. So what should be done with her, for example, or the other peace installees who were in fact legally put there, but are completely inappropriate people in most independent observers' view of a body like this, like the former peace MPs who are radicals engaged in the political struggle. Those people essentially have to be left there, right? There's nothing that an opposition party that comes into power can do short of using the same kinds of methods that peace has used to change the composition of courts. Is that how you would see it? Well, that's the puzzle that we have been discussing. Well, actually, it is true that the president of the Constitutional Tribunal was elected legally as a judge, but there were legal problems in her appointment as the court president, and yeah. there should be an independent commission or independent investigation into how actually the decisions were made in the Constitutional Tribunal, whether, as some claim, there were instances where those decisions were actually made in accordance with politicians' wishes, and how it was organized internally that uh, there are some people on the panel in certain cases, and whether it was in breach of procedures that should be followed. So I think that we should really scrutinize what had happened in the Constitutional Tribunal ever since Julia Przyłębska is the president 
and use existing disciplinary system, but the system that should, of course, be in conformity with European law standards and the Polish constitution. And uh, when we look at the Constitutional Tribunal, we see that there are 15 people, three of them are the so-called stand-in judges or stand-ins, the people who took places that had already been assigned to other lawyers that were voted by the former parliament. By the previous government, essentially. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these people, according to the ruling of the Strasbourg Tribunal, should not adjudicate. So with those three people, from the legal standpoint, it is clear that uh, they should be replaced. Other people who are already chosen in their places should join the tribunal. But with the remaining 13, well, I think it is very dangerous. It would set a very dangerous precedent if we start evaluating people on their rhetoric or on even on the political yep. past. Even yep. if I'm not a great fan of uh, how judge, certain judges are performing their duties. So essentially, you would say in the case of that tribunal, those three judges, the doubles, so to speak, could be subject to procedures that might end up removing them. But all the others, essentially, everybody would have to accept that they were legally elected. And therefore, whatever anybody thinks about them and their political role, they need to stay there. And that kind of approach would be your approach to how a future government would handle pieces, judicial reforms across the board, that no radical measures that we actually sometimes hear the opposition parties talking about should be implemented to undo pieces reforms. Well, I think that the Constitutional Tribunal is the most difficult case because it is a constitutional body and the governments would be restricted by the constraints of the Constitution. And when it comes to the Supreme Court or the organization of courts, they have more arguments and actually very solid arguments presented by the EU Court of Justice that essentially set up some requirements uh, how the procedure for uh, appointing independent judges should look like or what are the things that the governments essentially should not do. So I think that uh, actually because of those troubles that uh, the current Polish government uh, has made in the justice system, then the response of the EU tribunal is actually very helpful to reverse those changes in the future and to improve the system. Well, before it comes to that, we have to see what will happen in the next uh, elections, uh, which are scheduled for 2023, but according to various rumors may happen in spring 2022. We'll see. In any case, thank you, Anna Wojcik, very much for joining me on the Notes from Poland podcast. Thank you. Thank you.